love you, we praise you, we honor you, we exalt you. We lift you up with our song. We lift you up with our hearts of praise and thanksgiving. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for how good you've been to us. We thank you, Lord, for every blessing. We thank you, Lord, for every benefit. We thank you for your powerful blood that has freed us and renewed us and redeemed us and made us free. Thank you, Lord, that you purchased us. And now we are sons and daughters of the living God. We pray, Lord Jesus, be glorified in all that we do this day. May your name be praised. And may your people be nourished and edified. May they receive a word just for them to strengthen their hearts and encourage their faith. To build them up and work your good work in each and every life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to see everybody out. Nine o'clock service. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Kings 18, 1 Kings 18, we want to continue in our series, Sermons from the Prophet Elijah. Sermons from the Prophet Elijah. And this morning, I think we'll call it Prayer Secrets from Mount Carmel or uh, Making Something Out of Nothing. Making Something Out of Nothing. So we want to go to 1 Kings 18. And we can start our reading in verse 41. We can start our reading in verse 41. And the Bible says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat, drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain, an abundance of rain. And so Ahab the king, he went off to eat and drink, but Elijah the prophet climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, but his face between his knees. Verse 43, Go and look towards the sea, told his servant. And he went up and looked, and the servant came back and said, There's nothing there. And seven times Elijah said, go back, go back, pray on. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud. I see something was not too big. It's a cloud, but it's about as small as a man's hand. And it's rising from the sea. And so Elijah said, now go tell the king, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. And meanwhile, that sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And then the power of the Lord, or the hand of God, came upon the prophet Elijah. He tucked his cloak in his belt. He ran ahead of the chariot of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Man, when God's power comes on you, it's amazing what you can do. Isn't that right? Yeah. All right. We pray, Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to us. Stir our faith. Equip us. Help us to become more effective in our prayer life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Prayer secrets from Mount Carmel, making something out of nothing. Again, we've said this before, lessons, um, this is a sermon, give us lessons for more effective prayer. In the Bible, there's no formula. There's not just a formula for prayer of one, do one, do three, and boom. It doesn't work that way. But there are many, many principles and promises and examples in the Word of God that God has given us to help us become more effective in our prayers. It might not be a formula, but there's a whole lot of principles and commandments and promises that we can learn from, that we can glean from and help improve our prayer life. And we're going to get them here. We want to break this up into three parts this morning. Very simply, the passions of Elijah, the praying of Elijah, and then finally the prize of Elijah. The passions of Elijah, the praying of Elijah, and then lastly, the prize of Elijah. Now, in our previous sermon last time, remember the fire fell. The fire fell. The showdown of the prophets of Baal. The fire fell. God's servant had confronted the 
false prophets of Baal to prove who the true and the living God was. It was a contest to see which would send down fire on the respective sacrifices. Now, of course, Baal failed. He's dead, right? He can't hear those prayers. He can't answer those prayers. But the Lord, the living God that you and I serve, well, He was victorious. He always is. And His people were restored and revived. But now remember what led up to this whole showdown earlier in chapter 18. There had been three years of no rain. A heaven-sent drought. Judgment because Israel had forsaken the Lord and forgotten His covenants. Problems come when we forsake the Lord and forget His covenant. Isn't that right? I mean, just you don't got to be deep with that, but that's just a clear one there. But now, after all this, after the fire falls, they still don't have any rain. And our text is going to show us how Elijah prayed God's promise into the earth. Prayed God's promise into the earth because if we can back up just a bit, you'll notice how this chapter begins. Verse 18, um, chapter 18, verse 1 begins with God saying, listen, you go show yourself to Ahab because I'm going to send rain on the land. God didn't promise the fire that, that was coming, but He promised rain. So everything that you see is Elijah believing God to do what God promised to do. And we're going to see our part in seeing those promises come to pass. So again, The fire falls, but there's still no rain. There's a drought. People are dying. They need the rain. So he prays God's promises. As Christians, we believe that God wants to answer our prayers. That's very biblical. As Christians, we believe that God has given us, He's given you and I the privilege of prayer as a tool and as an instrument so we can see His will done in the earth. So this morning, let's take some notes and open our hearts to prayer secrets from Mount Carmel because we want to improve our effectiveness of prayer. There's no sense in just praying to have some exercise, religious exercise. I pray because I need an answer. Amen? If I could do it myself, I would do it myself. I wouldn't pray. So when I'm praying, I know I need help. And if I'm going to pray, I want an answer. Amen? And if God has given me clues and insights on how to pray effectively, it only behooves us, it's only practical wisdom to go into the Word of God and apply it to our lives. So remember now, prayer is one of the chief ways that we appropriate, we, we take possession of what Jesus purchased on Calvary. He purchased many, many blessings and benefits. That's why it's called an abundant life, not a defeated life. Amen? But in order for me to enjoy those things, there's ways that we embrace the promises of God. One way is through prayer. One way. We make personal the blessings of God. For example, I think it was Tony Evans that said, if I put a million dollars in your physical bank account, you have, it's guaranteed, you have a million dollars. But now, if you don't know, we're dating the illustration here, but if you don't know how to write a check, or use your ATM or access it, if you don't know how to write a check, which is guaranteed can't be enjoyed. What is guaranteed and belongs to you cannot be enjoyed by you. And too many of us, he goes on to write, got bank accounts full of God's blessings and we're forgetting to sign the checks. We forget to draw from the spiritual reservoir or we don't understand how to draw from the spiritual reservoir to live the successful Christian life, to enjoy what we have. One way, one of the key ways that we enjoy the blessings of God in our life is through prayer. Asking and receiving, it is a law of the kingdom. Let's begin our sermon. Number one, the passions 
of Elijah, the passions of Elijah. Now, if we could look at James 5 and 17, it'll kind of give us a background. This hundreds of years later in the New Testament, James writes about this story and actually gives us some insights that we don't get in 1 Kings. He gives us some insights here. And one thing he tells us, that Elijah was a man just like us. Now, that ought to comfort you right there. If you were feeling bad, that ought to make you feel a little better right now. God doesn't have supermen and superwomen. He's just got faithful men and faithful women. Amen? He's not a respecter of persons. If you're a believer, if he sees the blood, then you can walk like any of these people walked if you so choose. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly, but he prayed. He didn't fool around. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. The next verse is going to say, prayed again and the rain came. But the thought here, this verse should encourage us to pray and believe that God will answer. But it tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. One, one translation, he had a nature just like ours. Now this communicates to you and I that Elijah, having that human nature like we do, he, he had the same trials and obstacles that you and I have. He had felt the same frustrations and feelings and sometimes even the same fears that you and I have. And if he could pray and see an answer, then you and I could pray and see an answer. You see, when we study the life of Elijah like we've been doing, we see that he encountered some disappointments, didn't he? God says, go to the brook and the brook dries up. How do you like that? All right. Now, God, God he's for obeying God, he's the most wanted man on two or three or four kingdoms. He's harassed and he's hounded. All he did is obey God. I mean, that's a disappointment. I would figure obeying God ought to bring some blessing in my life, not put my face on the post office box, the wanted poster of every community. Isn't that true? He's a man just like us. You know, he had unknowns in his life. He didn't always know how things were going to work out. Over and over. And the Word of God came to him. He obeyed that Word. And God didn't tell him. Sometimes what God told him to do didn't even make sense. He goes, you're hiding in a secure place. Tell you what, get up, go a hundred miles in open country with all the king's henchmen looking for you. And I'm going to hide you out in Jezebel's backyard. How about that? I say, God, I could think of some better places to hide me out. Isn't that right? And then of all things, I'm going to send you to a widow, not just a noble widow that's rich, a widow that's broke, busted, and disgusted. She's ready to make her last cake and die, and that's where God sends you for provision. That'll make sense, right? I mean, so, hey, has God ever led you and it didn't make sense? Has God ever told you to go somewhere and you know God said go there, but you didn't know how it was going to work out? Ha ha, you just like Elijah. We look at him, disappointments, unknowns. Next week, what can we say? A major discouragement, or let's be honest. Next week, he falls into a depression. That's not the man of God. You better believe it. In fact, next week's sermon title, if we can get to that next week, is Running on Empty. (laughs) If you ever run on empty, you want to come out next week. There's a prophet of God that calls fire down one day. He's ready to turn in his ordination papers the next. He says, I quit. I've had enough of this. You can have it. No one listen to me. I'm going back to selling tires or something, man. But this preaching's out of here. And he had discouraged. Elijah was a man just like you and I. He lived a very real life, just like us. But the Bible tells us that he was a righteous man who prayed earnestly and fervently, and he saw mighty answers to prayer, and so can you. That's our key. That's our point. If you and I will choose to live and walk with God and believe God and give ourselves to the effort and priority of prayer, then we can see mighty answers in our lives, and we can see great breakthroughs in our lives, then we can see the promises that we read about not merely be something we admire in the book, but something we enjoy in our life. How? By praying it down, by believing it down, by asking and receiving by knocking and allowing God to open up that door to the richness of His goodness and grace. Somebody say amen. 
our point begins. This point starts by encouraging every one of us. Every one of us that is a child of God. You can be a powerful person of prayer. Your prayers can make a difference in the world. In your world. That's the world that matters most to us. In your world. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. On your earth. In your world. The will of God. In the kingdom. The rule of God can come. If you give yourselves to prayer. Your prayers can unleash the power of God into your circumstances and into your situations. Your prayers can release heaven's might and heaven's majesty and heaven's moving into your life, into your family, into your world. It's a beautiful thought. Because you prayed, often God says in that Old Testament to the saints, because you prayed, I'm going to intervene. Because you chose to humble yourself and call on my name, things are not going to turn out like they were going to turn out because you prayed. And when you pray, you invite the arm of the omnipotent God into your home, into your marriage, into your situations. And when He decides to show up, look out, devil, victory is on the way. Come on, say amen. I'm just trying to say, prayer brings God into our situation. And He was a man just like you and I. He wasn't perfect. These people in the Bible weren't perfect, but they walked with God. They gave God their best effort. You see, God's looking for that effort. God's looking for that faithfulness. He's not looking for our perfection, though we're striving for that. That's an impossibility. But He is looking for our devotion. He is looking for dedication. And if we'll do that, God will honor that. Oh, what a God, what a God, what a God we serve. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why Jesus taught His followers we ought always to pray. Never give up. Never give up. Pray at all times. Pray in all circumstances. Pray for all things and don't give up. Part one. Part one here. Point one. Don't think you have to have a special calling or gifting or education to pray. If you are a believer, if you've received Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior, then you are a child of God. You're a son of God, a daughter of God. Then the blessings of Calvary, they belong to you. You've been given the right, the access, the privilege through Jesus to ask and to receive. To call on the name that's above every name. To cry out and see the Lord move. To cry out in faith and see the mighty arm of God stretched out towards you. And somebody, you need to know this morning, the arm of God is stretching out to you. The arm of the omnipotent God is reaching out to you. It might just look like a little cloud, but it won't stay just a little cloud. Whereas you keep believing and keep trusting and keep standing on the Word, the breakthrough is going to get larger. The move of God's Spirit in your life will get greater. It'll intensify. It'll accelerate. My God, my God, somebody don't give up. The devil is a liar. It might have been a long season of praying and a long season of groaning, a long season of trusting and weeping before the throne of grace. But God has not forsaken thee and God has not forgotten thee. He's heard every prayer. He's held every tear in His bottle. And the word of the Lord to you today is get ready, get ready for the arm of the Lord is stretching out towards you. He's getting ready to blast through, to break through, and to show Himself strong on behalf of you. Somebody say Amen. Oh, what a God we serve. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep calling on the name that's above every name. Keep standing on the Word that cannot lie. And watch the hand of the Lord work in your life. Woo! 
But it's just a little cloud. That's all Elijah saw. Just a little cloud. But it didn't stay a little cloud. Amen? And faith, all faith got to see is that little cloud. And it knows it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Hook up your chariots. Get out of here before the downpour comes. Whew. Number one, the passions of Elijah. Number two, the praying of Elijah. We see verses 42 through 44, the praying. This is um, a pattern here. Principles that we can apply for powerful, effective prayer. Now the fire fell, but they still needed rain. They still needed rain. So he climbs, the prophet of God climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He's believing God's promise, but knowing that his prayers have a part to play in seeing the promise come to pass. There's something to be done on the human end to see the will. Faith without works is... Yeah, yeah. And you know what we do with something dead, right? No, you don't have to bury it. You can resurrect it. All right, resurrect that thing. If your prayer life's gotten dead, we're going to resurrect it. Amen. Start praying and believing and trusting and watching God work in your life. Don't be so quick to bury things. There's a time to bury things. Hey, there is a time to say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's dead. That's over. Past. Goodbye. Pressing on into a new day. But don't be so quick to bury something that God just might want to resurrect. He might want to resurrect that thing. He might want to resurrect you. Come on, say amen. Oh, Lord. Let me get back to my sermon here. That was too fun to run with. I'm t- Jesus, is Jesus called the resurrection and the life? Is that His name? Yeah. Not that I, I will. No, He is the resurrection. He can resurrect that relationship. He can resurrect that area of life that the doctors have given you no hope. I serve a God that raises the dead. He can heal that thing. He can break that bondage. Oh, there's nothing too hard for Jesus. My Lord, my Lord. He kicked the end out of the tomb. He'll kick the end out of your tomb. My God, keep calling. Keep trusting. Keep believing. The praying of Elijah. Number one, let's notice verse 42a. He separates himself. We're going to be effective in prayer. We've got to get away to pray. He withdrew from the crowds and he went to the top of Carmel. He got away and he got along with God. We see that in verse 42. The beginning, Ahab, the king, went off to eat and drink, but Elijah the prophet, he climbed to the top of the mountain. Climbed to the top. That was the great lesson that Jesus taught us. Can we see Matthew 6 and 6? This great lesson Jesus taught every one of us. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, get some privacy, and pray to your Father, who is unseen, but your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? God says, I'm going to reward your praying. Isn't that wonderful? So don't wonder. God. No, God says, I will reward you. You get along, close that door, get some privacy, and talk with me. Cry out to me. Commune with me. Well, however it works, you talk with God. You pour out your heart. You praise Him. Honor Him. God says, I see that. No one else has to see it. That's why He closed the door. Get along with the Lord. He goes, I see that. I hear that. And I'll reward you for that. Wow. Getting along with God. There's our lesson. Get along Close the door. Quiet your spirit. Remove the distraction. Draw near. Commune. Cry out. Call upon the One that is able to do all things. To the One that said to you and I, be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. 
See, so when we want to get close to the heart of God, when we want to draw near, entering into the presence of God, get away from the confusion. Get away from the noise and get along with Father. Give Him your undivided attention. Spend some time in adoration and praise. Then begin to bring your needs before Him. Pray according to the promise with a faith and an expectation. But start out by getting alone and shutting the door and drawing near. Because the Bible says, God's promised us, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you'll shut that door and wait on me, I'll visit you. Amen? You won't be alone. I will draw near and you and I can have a good talk. Hallelujah. Again, verse 42, King Ahab, he went back to the palace to eat. Elijah the prophet, he goes off to pray. I, I think it was might have been A.W. Pink or one of the writers said, while the Ahabs feast and play, the Elijahs must fast and pray. <laughs> prayer is needed. The times in which we live demand some serious prayer. Nighttime is coming. The battle is raging. Souls are perishing. In Jesus is returning. Oh, God, help us to pray. Our first key for more effective prayer, we've got to get away and get alone and shut the door. Separate ourselves from the busyness and the distractions and meet with God. It's simple, but it's called the priority of prayer. But it demands the effort to pray. And if you study the life of Jesus, you'll see Mark 1, I believe it's 35. It's that Jesus got up a great while before day. And he got alone. He had to go hide because so many people. He, Jesus, Jesus had to make an effort to get alone in prayer. Because it's not always easy. It's not always there's schedules and there's people and there's... It takes an effort. But I'll tell you what, it brings divine dividends. It takes an effort to really pray and get along with God. But when you do, it does bring divine dividends. Here, give me one more extra thought before that next thought. I noticed that he hears... The prophet hears the rain when there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Isn't that cool? It had been some three and a half years. There had been no rain. All of a sudden, he's hearing rain. What's he hearing things? Yeah, he's hearing, in the, in the, he's hearing by faith. He's, you know, you know I, I like this illustration. It's not in the notes, but we're not going anywhere. Anyway, you, you know, they, there's a whistle, they tell me, that if they blew that whistle, you and I couldn't hear a thing. But if there was a dog here, that dog would be going crazy, jumping up and down. He can hear on a frequency we can't hear. And if you decide to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus, spend time in that Word, communing with God, you're going to hear in that realm of faith what other people can't hear. You just write that down, just mark it down, it's just the way it goes. Now, he heard rain when there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Friends, you know, our ears get open to what God is doing and saying when we get alone with Him. You hear from God things in your closet that people who don't pray never hear, understand, or perceive. For his secrets are kept and reserved for those that will seek him and sit at his feet. Number one, the praying of Elijah, he separates himself. Number two, he humbles himself. And this is the second part of verse 42. Notice the posture here. Notice his posture. He says, he bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. A few hours before this, he had stood tall, bold, and erect before hundreds and hundreds of false prophets. He carried himself with courage and authority. But now, before the King of Kings, you see him drawing near in humility and in reverence. In front of the enemy again, as bold as a lion, alone with God, he hides his face, humbles his heart, pours out his desires. 
This speaks simply of the, the unusual posture. It speaks to us of the humility of the man of God. Of the, the great concern the man of God had for the people of God. And of course the burden that he had for the glory of God. God, give us such a burden. Give us a burden to see God's glory. Give us a burden to see the name of Jesus exalted in our lives and in our world and in this present generation. But there's humility. There's something about this. There's something important here. See, humility positions us to get closer to God, but also to receive more from God. Charles Spurgeon, the great pastor of the 1800s, he writes, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Asking humbles us, but it glorifies God. So therefore, if I'm not willing to humble myself before the Lord, I'm going to find it very, very hard, very, very difficult to receive much from God. You see, I've got to be reminded of the Scriptures. Um, 1 Peter 5 and 6. Let's look at this together. 1 Peter 5 and 6. It simply says, humble yourselves. Notice it says, you do the humbling. Humble yourselves. This is something that you and I do. We humble ourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Hey, have perseverance. Have patience along with that faith. When the time comes, God says, I'm going to lift you up. When the time comes, God says, I'm going to come through. But your job, humble yourself before Me. Look at James 4 and verse 10. James 4 and verse 10. Again, it's that humility that brings that grace into our lives. Humble yourselves. Again, humbling ourselves before the Lord. And He'll lift you up. I love that. He'll lift you up. And when God decides to lift you up, there's no defeat. There's no devil. There's no disappointment that can keep you down when God decides to lift you up. But how do I position myself that God might lift me up and God might break through and God might do His wonderful thing? i got to humble myself. And coming before Him in prayer is one way we humble ourselves. It's it's, it's acknowledging, Lord, I need some help. It's acknowledging, Lord, I'm not able, but I know You are. A secret to a blessed life and a productive prayer life is, again, humbling ourselves. To the humble, He pours out that great measure of grace, that great measure of favor to the humble. It's in humility that I express my inability, but I cling fast to God's ability. It's as I recognize my insufficiency, but I trust firmly in the God of all sufficiency who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I could ask or think. And so again, if we're going to grow, if we're going to be fruitful, if we're going to be more effective in our prayers, friends, let's stay humble, let's stay holy, let's stay hungry for God. Amen? The praying of Elijah, he separates himself the effort, the priority of prayer, of actually getting alone and getting out of the distraction and giving God that proper time to commune and talk with God. But then, he, again, he humbles himself. He humbles himself. Because real, real prayer is acknowledging, Lord, I need you. Lord, I, without you, I can do nothing. And I'm confessing in myself, Lord, I, I'm weak and I'm so limited. But God, you are able and a God, you are faithful. And I'm calling on you with a confidence and assurance of your word and of your power and of your might. Hallelujah. Glory. Number three, I want you to notice he prayed. And this is so important. He prayed according to the divine promise. He prayed according to the divine promise. Again, notice in verse one, 18 and verse one, the whole chapter begins. After a long time, some three, three and a half years of drought and judgment, etc., 
In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. God starts out this chapter before the confrontation, before the fire, before the sacrifice, by saying, you go now and confront him. You go now and appear before him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send the rain. I will send the rain. I want you to keep that in your thinking. Because his praying, and this is so important, his praying was based upon a promise from God. Therefore, there was an expectation as he claimed the promise through prayer. You see, when God commanded His servant to appear before the king, God said, and I will send rain on the land. Now, some people might reason, hey, God promised it, so why should I have to pray? Or why should I have to pray earnestly and pray with faith like this? But Elijah didn't reason that way. Elijah didn't. Most people in the Bible didn't. Because um, he didn't reason that way, neither should we. He simply remembered this thought. God's promises are not meant to keep us from praying. No, they are given to instruct us what to ask for and to encourage us to ask for them believing that we can have them. God's promises are God's revelation. That is His will. If God gives you a promise, it's because He wants to do that. He wants to be that. He wants you to receive that. So I can pray with a greater assurance, but there's no doubt in my mind if God clearly said it, that's God's will. Amen? One day when I get old... I want a caddy. Sister Linda's beautiful black caddy. But I'm talking about a red one, all right? Now, I can ask for it, but I can't, I gotta be honest, I'm not 100% sure that's God's will for me, all right? But there are a lot of things in that book I know 100% that's God's will. So I could pray for that, and then part of me says, well, you know, don't, don't be silly, you know. Um, you know, be, be content going from your Corolla to a Camry and really living the high life, all right? That's all right. That, 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 I don't, it's okay. That's okay. But there's other things. I know that I know. This is clearly, thus saith the Lord, that child's going to be saved and walk with God. That life is going to be healed and free from powers of hell. See, there's certain things. See what I'm getting at? And so when we clearly know, thus saith the Lord, I can pray expecting it. There's no wavering. Because the prayer is based firmly upon the promise, the clear promise of God. Makes a difference. Isn't that right? Makes a difference. Makes a difference. All right. God's promises are not meant to keep us from praying. No, they're given to instruct us what to ask for and to encourage us to ask for them, believing that we might have them and receive them. See, there are literally thousands of promises in the Word of God. There's promises concerning wisdom and guidance, of power, of provision, of protection, of healing, of comfort, of counsel of forgiveness, of favor, of the baptism, of the Holy, on and on and on. I encourage you as a child of God. Remember our earlier illustration of Dr. Evans, and uh, you got that in your bank account. Well, let's learn to receive what's in that account. Let's use what's in that account. Amen. Let's get a promise. Let faith come alive. Let's pray the promise. Let's believe the promise. Let's receive the promise. It pays to know the book, does it not? I mean, it pays to know what happened on Calvary. It pays to know what belongs to you as a child of God. I mean, I'm not trying to get God to do something He don't want to do. His promises tell me that's what I want to do. Isn't that right? Oh, what a God we serve. There was an expectation of faith because He was praying in perfect agreement 
with the Word and the will of God. Wow. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Interesting verse. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Very interesting. Again, it, it pays to know the book. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. You see, you can approach God with confidence. Well, let's be honest. Sometimes you can approach Him without confidence. You're not really sure. Or maybe you know things that aren't right between you and God. Isn't that, isn't that true? Before you're going to ask for something, you want to make sure things are right. And me and Brother Bill just been knocking heads. I'm not going to go asking for a favor tomorrow without saying, Brother, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. shouldn't have said that. We've got to make up. And then, then you know, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to have the audacity to say, Hey, yeah, you know, I just, I just called you. You know, you just called me fat, ugly, and bald. And even though those things are true, they weren't very nice. And um, uh, can I borrow? No, get out of here. But once we make up. There's a reason sometimes there's no real faith. We can shout and yell. And we can, you know, we can quote things, but let's not be foolish. When things aren't right between you and your Heavenly Father, you know it and He knows it. So the best thing to do is admit it, get it cleansed, so then there can be that confidence again and that clarity again. You know, isn't that true? We've got to have a little common sense in these things. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, but as a child of God, we ought to have a confidence in approaching God. Isn't that right? You remember your old buddies from back in the day that they didn't know God and you'd invite them to church? They said, well, if I came to church, the roof would fall in. Amen? And I look at some of them and say, yeah, I would think so. But no, you'd be surprised. I say, you'd be surprised. And, and you know, that's how unbelievers feel. But, you know, we're not unbelievers. We're sons and daughters of God. So we come with a great confidence and an assurance. We draw near to the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have a confidence in approaching God. I have a confidence that I know things are good. I'm a son and things are good. But also, I have a confidence as I bring my petition that if I ask anything according to His will, that's where me and that beautiful red caddy with the, the tan leather seat, that's where sometimes the strain gets, you see. That's where sometimes, sometimes in there my face starts to waver because I'm not really sure about that. But if we ask anything according to His will. Now, i got to tell you something. This book is very clear about the will of God. Amen? Now, some of our own desires, I don't know. Some of our own ways. Of, I've learned through the years when I was a young pastor, there are certain people I wanted a hug, I need to give them a boot. Other ones, I wanted a boot, and God said give them a hug. So I learned when it comes to the natural things of walking this, we're not always 100% sure of what God's will is. Isn't that true? That's why we pray if it be your will. But sometimes we're just not sure. Should I zig or should I zag? Should I take this job or that job? Should I go into a, I mean, a covenant with that one? No, no, no. Something. But there are many, 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 many things. I know He wants to give me peace that passes understanding. I know He wants to give me wisdom for the decisions of my life. I know He wants to clothe me with power from on high so I can live as more than a conqueror. I know that I know He wants to give me an ear to hear His voice. So I could be led of the Spirit and I could walk close with this God. There are many, many promises in here that He wants to give us and we're sure of. So the Bible says this is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is how we can approach God and have an expectation that what we're asking for, He will answer us. This is it. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears me. And if He hears me, I like that next verse says, if He hears me, we know that He hears us whatever we ask, 
we know that we have what we ask of Him. You have that assurance, that expectation when you're praying. Don't you deny God wants to save that child. Don't you doubt it for a minute. God wants to bring that wayward back to a full faith in Christ. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, let there be no doubt about it. You're a child of God. He wants to give you peaceful sleep at night. He gives His beloved sleep, brother. He wants to free you from anxiety and the weight. No, no, no. That confusion is not of God at all. He's the Prince of Peace. He's a wonderful Counselor. He gives rest to His beloved. The expectation of faith. The expectation of faith. Praying according to the divine promise gives me an expectation as I approach God, expecting to get an answer from God. I'm no longer wondering if it be thy will, but he's clearly told me that's my will. Okay, you see the difference? And like I said, between my Cadillac and wanting to see my family saved, isn't that right? See, there's a big difference there, okay? But now, even when I know, it gives me expectation, but it also, expectation fuels perseverance and persistence when I have to wait, when I have to face resistance, when the enemy tries to discourage me until the answer comes. The expectation of faith fuels and energizes the perseverance of faith because I'm convinced it's God's will. I recognize that question is done. It's God's will. Timing might be an issue. Resistance from the enemy. Remember Daniel had to pray and pray, right? There are forces of hell trying to hinder. There might be resistance, but that fuels my perseverance to keep praying and keep believing and not to be moved. The ability to press on in spite of that opposition. I read a story, kind of illustrated it. I read a little article this last week. It was called Employment Incentive. Employment Incentive. The interviewer explained the company policy to a job applicant. Our company has a simple work incentive plan. We call it unemployment. <laughs> that's, that's one way to motivate people, amen? Either get with the program or get out the door. That's one way to, well, you know, when it comes to praying, knowing what God has said and what this great God has promised should motivate us and encourage us to pray with a real expectation of receiving and a perseverance that continue on until that answer comes. Wow. Elijah says to the servant, he says, um, go and see what's out there. And the servant comes back and says, I don't see a thing. God made a promise. The great prophet that saw fire come, prayed. The answer was, he didn't see a thing. That can be discouraging. He says, go back, go back. What do you see? Nothing. Go back again. I'll go back again. What do you say? Now the prophets reply, go back. Faith's reply is always go back and pray on. Believe on. Continue on. But you see it again. Time, nothing. In Elijah, go back. Pray on. Faith, go back. That's important. Go back because God, He's not done yet. Go back and pray on because God's promises, they are not going to fail you. Go back, believe on, pray on, stand firm in your faith, be not withered, be not wavered, because if God said it, God will do it. If God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. So pray on, pray on, pray on. And you see the prophet of God here. It's so interesting. He doesn't allow, He doesn't allow what He sees in the natural to cancel out what He has already seen in the Spirit and heard with the voice of faith. He doesn't allow and assume just because one time, two times, three times after praying, 
Nothing's out there. He doesn't assume. Maybe it's not God's will. He knew better than that because he was praying according to the Word and the will of God. Again, the prophet, he didn't let his faith become weakened and begin to shake because of the negative report that he heard from his servant. He can't allow these things to move him because his faith was securely settled on the fact that God said it. God said it. If God said it, He'll do it. That's got to settle it. That's got to be something that causes us to pray with a measure of faith that sees the answer come. So pray the promises. That's what the prophet did. That's one way to have a real assurance and expectation. But also, it fuels my perseverance. So if I have to wait in the timing and the battle, I continue on not wavering because I know that I know this is God. We must become convinced of what we know God's will is. The promise should move us to pray with direction, assurance, and expectation. His promises give us firm ground on which to place our prayers. Firm ground in which to place our prayers. They reveal God's will. They direct and energize our prayers. The passions of Elijah. Elijah was a man just like you and I. It should encourage us that the Bible is a real book about real people with real problems with a real God. They weren't supermen and women, but they received from God. And you and I can receive from God. You and I, if we'll pray and we'll walk with God, we can see marvelous, moving, mighty answers to prayer in our lives. The passions of Elijah, the praying of Elijah. He made the choice to pray. Situations come and some people never never really choose to pray. I mean, to really close the door, get alone, and seek the Lord. Separated himself. Then he humbled himself. But his prayer in itself, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, God says, I'll hear them and I'll heal them. And I'll answer them and I'll reign upon them. There's the humility. And then he prays according to the divine promise. That's one way we can pray with a real assurance. Because we're not wondering, is this God's will? No, 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 no. Some things, and honestly, we do wonder, but we don't know. But there are many, many, many things that's clearly in the book. Stop the wondering. Get an assurance. Get an expectation. And let it fuel your faith. Last thought here under praying. He prayed fervently and persistently. He pressed his claim. The servant said, nothing out there. He kept believing. Get back out there. Nothing there. Get back out there. Um, earlier we read James 5 and 17. And James 5, 16 and 17 are, are two interesting verses. Actually, in the Greek, they're really hard to interpret because it kind of says he prayed in his praying. He prayed in his praying. And it speaks about the fervency of his prayer. And the persistence, pressing that claim, being insistent in his prayer. How he prayed with an earnest or with, um, with heart, with energy, with, with energy. Literally, he poured his heart and soul in his praying. I like that. He poured his heart and soul. See, praying is not just reciting religious mantras. Repeat after me. You know what I mean? Like a, like a, like a parrot. No, 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 that's not praying. Praying's from the heart. Communing with God. It's calling on God. It means business when we pray. Again, he knew he had his part to do to see the answer come. 
in the expression, he poured out his heart. He prayed fervently. And lastly, as we close this down, the prize, the prize. The rain came. The drought was ended. The power of God came upon his servant. It's amazing. The power comes upon him. He's out running a chariot. Man, that's something. So don't get too excited if someone does a little jig every now and again. Doesn't Jericho come march? You know what I mean? Elijah ran. We can, we can let it go. But the rain came. The rain came. They needed the rain. That's the most important thing. They needed the rain. And notice how it comes. First, it comes, there's nothing, and he's, he hears it by faith. He hears it by faith. A lot of things you hear it as you read that book. You don't possess it yet. But you begin to hear it by faith. I've read certain things in that book. The first time I read it, I knew I didn't have it. Amen? Call it what you want. Self-control, patience. You need to go, go through the list. Whatever. You know, you read things. I'm not, I don't have it. It belongs to me, but I am not, I don't, I'm not walking in it. But something in me, some of these things really God speaks to you. And you know, you know what, God? God wants me to move into that. Now, if you were to look at me, it's a, <laughs> you don't got it. I know I don't got it, but I'm starting to get it by faith. You see what I mean? And then once I get it, then I start to believe for it. Then once I get it, then I start to expect it. Then once I get it, I start reaching for the thing. So you notice it starts out, he just has a promise from God. Man, God's promise caused him. I hear a sound of abundance of rain, not a cloud in the sky. God's word ignites faith in our hearts to believe for some things that we don't have yet, but we know God wants us to have them. And then even as he begins to pursue it, it didn't happen immediately, did it? He pursued it. How many times? Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then finally, when he gets an answer, anything positive, it's not even a real good answer. Well, well, there's kind of a cloud out there. It's a little small. Don't need an umbrella for this. About the size of a man's hand. Man, they've had a drought for three and a half years. What good is that going to do? But there's something about when you begin to pursue something by faith. The smallest thing. Others might look at it, despise small beginnings. Don't you ever do that. Many of you and I, and I believe people listening, you were a small cloud at one time, but look how God's done in you now. At one time, you might have been a small cloud. A little, oh, then maybe God's working in that life, but I'm not too sure about it. Oh, yeah, look at where you are now. Look how far God's brought you. Look at everything God's done in and through your life. So don't despise small beginnings. This faith begins to pursue as we get the Word from God. And we might not see it, and there might not be anything tangible about it, but when God speaks, faith begins to come alive. And faith begins to hear things before the natural does. Faith sees things before the natural does. And, uh, the clarion is coming. No one saw that but Him. And then He pursues it by believing the promise and praying for the promise, believing the promise. And finally, He gets a little bit of uh, just a little thing. Friend, I want someone to know that little cloud. Your cloud is arising. Don't despise small beginnings. It might just look like there's a little breakthrough. Don't get disappointed. Don't get discouraged. See the hand of God working behind even the small things, even the little things, and know that they won't stay little if you keep believing and keep praying and keep trusting God to bring it to pass. No, no, no. Don't despise small things. When God is in them, again, some people were just like that cloud, but God was at work and now look at them. Don't be discouraged by what you see in the natural. See God's hand at work. Somebody, your cloud is starting to arise. Can you say Amen. Prayer secrets from Mount Carmel are making something out of nothing. Hallelujah. We're going to pray our prayer. Let's pray and believe God together.
If you're here today and you're listening and things aren't right between you and God, right now, make it right. Don't fake it. Don't pretend there's a strain. Humble your heart. Confess your sin. And let things between you and the Lord get knit together like they once were. Cleanse away that strain. Confess it so God will cleanse it. That you can walk once again with the joy and the peace and the assurance that comes from knowing you're walking good with the Lord and things are good between you and your God. Maybe here today and you're thirsty. Maybe you just need some refueling for the week. As I begin to pray the prayer, I want you to lift your arms and look to heaven and ask God to fill you fresh. This fight of faith can drain us and weary us. And as you need a fresh refueling for another week of fighting this good fight, just go ahead and look to the Lord and let God fill you and let God refresh you. And if you have a need, if you have a need, if you know a promise, stand on that promise, pray that promise, expect that promise, receive that promise. Bow your hearts, please. Father, we thank You. Father, we thank You for these principles for effective faith, for effective prayers. So we thank You, Lord, that Your Word gives us encouragements and examples and promises to help us pray with faith, believing that we might receive and see Your will done in the earth in our lives. Not merely just read about them or hope about them down the road, but we can possess them in the now. We can embrace them in the now. We can enjoy the full measure of the blessing that was purchased on Calvary in the now. Father, help us to apply these principles. And now I pray, dear God, encourage hearts and refresh souls. I pray for those that are thirsty. Father, everyone that is thirsty and wants a fresh filling of Your Spirit right now, Father, in Jesus' name, fill them! Right now, dear God, refresh them, revive them, renew their strength as they look to You. Give them a fresh impartation of life. Give them wisdom for every decision. Give them the bold faith, the courage, the boldness of a lion to believe You, to stand firm for You, to walk confidently before You. Father, give wisdom and give opportunity this week. May this be a week of opportunity. Whether it's on the phone or in the store. Let this be a week of opportunity, Father. Will you grant divine appointments and opportunities for your people to speak, to pray, to witness to the goodness and the glory of God. Now, Father, go before your people in a special way this week. Show yourself as a mighty warrior and defender of the righteous. May your favor and your grace Rest upon them in a very special measure. May your favor and your grace rest upon them. People that in times past have been kind of cool, let them have favor and grace with those people. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. We'll see members, we'll see you tonight. Everyone else will see you on Wednesday. God bless you.